0: Not a single soul may leave this
1: place. It is forbidden by him. I am so sick.
0: I will reclaim my right.
1: My path will be paved with the sins of man, and yours, Dante, shall be the bedrock of my return,
0: and all that is good shall be gone from the universe forever!
2: I'm gonna have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. (laughs)
1: Welcome to the Cobras and Fire Podcast In honor of the creepiest, evilest month of the year We bring to you three hits from hell Over the next three weeks, we are going to break down three of the evilest, creepiest albums out there And we brought on a special guest for this too That's right, Gene Vogel from the Disciples of the Watch Podcast and the band Mortificator Now... Turn the lights off,
0: if you dare.
2: Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I am joined by the freezer-burned Luz Cannon. How are you doing this evening, Luz?
3: I am excellent, thank you for asking. Right before we get into the theme of today's program, and the month, Hmm. that... uh, May I have the floor, please?
2: Sure. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this, but uh, let's hear what you have to say.
3: Sure. So, um, you know, I, I just wanted to... You know, we we have definitely got a lot of new listeners lately, and maybe some of them are unfamiliar with kind of the, the scope of the show. So I would like to summarize the mission statement of, of Cobras and Fire. We are a comedy rock talk show that proves that rock is not dead, and we make fun of what we love. Uh, recently... Uh, we completely roasted uh, fellow podcaster and friend of the show, <laughs> Craig Smith, in a way that possibly is not ever, possibly the most brutal roast we've ever <laughs> we've ever done.
2: But again, I want to say that we gave him are- back a little bit of what he's, you know, I, I, I should say this what he's given you, you've largely been the target. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I think I've now opened myself to a little shit, but uh, that's okay.
3: Yeah, right. But it's, but 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 again, uh, if you've heard the last episode, you might be like, "Who are these guys? How are they roasting this guy? And and how is this uh, cool that they're doing this?" Well, just so you know, from 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 again, we make fun of what we love. So I'm not even going the Craig Smith thing, but over the years, we have roasted many of the artists that we are passionate about. Um, we can give examples of things like like Jeff Tate and Eddie Trunk, who end up being interviews interviewees of uh of our show mm-hmm. so that is 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 always be uh, will always be uh the theme of our show we are not uh to to basically bag of dicks. Okay, we're not. Uh, well, maybe we are. Half bag. But the point is, is that all the people that we make fun of on the show are people that we would gladly have on the show, with the exception of anything to do with coins and Canadian
2: fonts. <laughs> not not them because we're being mean and we don't care. Right,
3: but uh, but with that too, it's not because we wouldn't have them on the show. They can be on there, but we feel they would be boring and uh, it wouldn't be a good interview.
2: Yeah, because we did get a comment. Uh, it was only it was a single comment, and I'm pretty sure some who's a first time listener because I'm pretty sure people who have paid attention to our show and listened to pods and sods, we've had clips of their show ripping us on our on, on quite a well, again, ripping you typically. Uh <laughs> That's probably going to change, but uh, which which is all good. But the the point being is that I think people who listen to the show got the joke. Of course, they did. Yeah, we ran it by Craig. Craig picked the song that we played right after that. He knew it was coming before it came out. Uh, But again, I think we're probably just explaining it to people who probably never heard the show before then. And but welcome, everybody's welcome.
3: Yeah, welcome anybody that's that's coming on. And uh, just want to break that down. And and again, now that we
2: know uh, your butt hurt, you're a target. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> not true not true no, at all
2: no actually. just kidding we
3: welcome uh, everybody listen to the show and uh I'll, I'll pass it back to you
2: well today we have the first of a three-part installment that we're going to call three hits from hell uh oh, like yeah. is, is uh you and i are both big fans of halloween in the whole month of october and but uh last year we had on a, a guest uh, uh from the disciples of the watch uh podcast gene vogel and we did like a whole three-part anthology kind of series on black sabbath that uh i don't know it was a lot of fun it seemed to go over pretty good so why not bring him back right
3: exactly yeah uh, for, we're, we're, i'm looking forward to, for, to a sophomore slump <laughs>
2: Sorry. with that we have gene vogel from the disciples <laughs> of the watch podcast with us gene welcome to the program
4: ah thanks guys it's fabulous to be here again
2: uh, you are you uh, done listening to mom and dad fight uh for I don't know, it's uh, going on nine minutes now.
4: It's been awesome. It's yeah. been uh, the curtain's been pulled back. I see the uh the puppet master here.
2: Uh, I was too <laughs> worried that just the, the basement wasn't creeping you out enough, so I'm just trying to get you in the right mood for the the, the podcast here.
4: Well yeah, if it, I can put my pants back on that would help.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was just I was gonna say, did you notice when you uh moved back the curtain that none of us were were wearing pants so that's, that's, okay. that's
4: actually all bako greedy me at the door so that's <laughs> him aware. Mm.
3: yeah the, the, the police will probably be here soon so yeah did you notice that the basement completely resembles a rape factory
4: <laughs> I, it felt familiar yeah yeah <laughs> whoa
2: hey now all right, well, on that positive note, um, let's uh, get into what we're talking about today. So basically what we're going to do uh, is we're going to call, like I said, we're calling it Three Hits from Hell. I took that from the Misfits. Sure. Uh, but we're going to do three episodes of uh, kind of spooky, creepy records. I don't know, I guess, should we just kick it to Gene? He adds honors. He's got the first pick? Yeah, I think we should.
4: Well, the first pick was, uh, this is an album that, um, actually, I'll go back a little bit. The band itself, I found one of their earlier releases at a used record store. Well, it was new and used I guess, but I guess I was there to save a few bucks and buy used. So, I ended up finding this album and I really dug it. And then many years later I was at a different record store and I found this particular album and I thought, well hey, I really like the one that I own so I'm going to buy this one. And that is Iced Earth Burnt Offerings." And for me, getting this album, I realized, wow, this is way different. Or I shouldn't say way different, but it's there's a darkness here. And I actually initially didn't like the album. And it took a while before I realized, wow, I really love this album. So that was one for me when you guys approached me to, to do this three-part mm-hmm. series. I just thought, what's the album that for me just was kind of spooky and scary and weird? It doesn't feel that way so much now because maybe I'm older and... You know, maybe it's because I've lived so much with the album that doesn't. But there, there's still some really cool dark elements to it that I really enjoy. So I'm hoping you, you know, maybe you guys or your listeners will enjoy it as well.
2: Cool. Um, For me, Iced Earth has always been kind of a a hot topic, blabbermouth kind of band where it's like I saw their T-shirts and they're always like almost a monarch moth was uh, at one point where I'm just like I have no idea who this is, but they're constantly showing up with headlines. Uh, and this is, honestly, this is my first listen, so uh, I'll save too much of my uh, critiquing of the record for the actual record, but I am coming in a virgin. Luz?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'll tell you, my history with Ice Earth is uh, a Wednesday this week,
2: <laughs> and, um,
3: and on, on that day, if I can recall... Um, what I realized is, is looking at the that these guys, and, and the my recollection is kind of fuzzy, but in the late 90s, for whatever reason, I remember seeing them play a lot in the Chicago area, which, um, and, and then I looked, and that, like Florida Man, you know, the, 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 the fav, famous Florida Man, this is actually a Florida band, which is actually very rare too. There's not too many bands out of Florida <laughs> that make it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I'm familiar, just kind of like Baco, I was always familiar with the name um i knew that they uh had a ton of, of albums as well and i also know that they had a pretty big cult or hardcore following and i guess um, that is uh, as i understand it's gene vogel and two guys from nebraska
4: oh you know those guys i do <laughs> sweet tell them i said hi uh...
3: yeah so uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh this album that i believe charted at uh, a 585 and um um it, it's peak position back in uh in 2000, uh was it 1995
4: 95
3: yes no but, but in all in all seriousness uh, please br- bring us
2: in so let's get into some notes you have some, you, why don't you uh gene why don't you give us the facts on this record
4: the facts well it was released in like we said before 1995 that was what uh,
2: was the release date
4: april 18th
2: oh that's my birthday
4: Oh, there you go. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So we got Matthew Barlow on lead vocals, John Schaefer, rhythm guitar, lead vocals. Producer. John
2: Schaefer, if I uh, did my research uh, today right, the one constant in this band. Correct. Okay.
4: Yeah, he's basically the Dave Mustaine of Iced Earth.
2: Okay. Right.
3: He's he's also, the, as I understand, the uh, leader of the most dangerous band on, on
2: the David Letterman show. Is that correct?
4: That's his brother, Paul. Okay. Mm.
0: Continue,
2: oh, please. okay. Okay. Good good note. <laughs> <Continue>. <laughs> and that is the first swing and a miss from tonight. There'll be plenty.
4: I like go, that. Go ahead. Joke. Are you kidding yeah, me? that worked. Uh, <laughs> I just like the awkward silence after. <laughs> oh, I love it. It was awesome. All right, moving forward. We got Dave Abel on bass, Randall Shaver on lead guitar, and then Rodney Beasley on drums. These are all household names, I'm sure. Yeah. In the Colorado
2: comes in at a uh, whopping 52 minutes and 39 seconds. That's pretty long for eight tones. <laughs> I don't yes. think Luce is going to enjoy that. <laughs> and Luce, would you like to take a guess at who produced this record?
3: I believe it was Bow Hill.
2: <laughs> it does have that, that classic Bow Hill sound, doesn't it?
3: It does. It reminds me a lot of Cherry Pie and uh, um, every single rap album. But go ahead.
2: Did he actually produce Cherry Pie? I had no idea. He did. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna take your word for it because I don't care. Uh, but, you know, produced by Tom Morris, a bit of a legend in uh, in, in Florida metal. He runs a studio called Morris Sounds. So, uh, and and of course, uh, the aforementioned guitar player John Schaefer.
3: Yes, it's not too hard to be a legend in Florida, just you know. <laughs> He's also I'm not sure if you know this, but he also has a cat named Morris. <laughs> oh,
2: man, you were just you got you got the sharp ones tonight.
3: Nine lives, bitch. <laughs>
2: That's more lives than your jokes have.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
2: Go ahead. I think it's exactly nine more lives than your jokes. have <laughs> That cat was dead on arrival. Go ahead. Oh. what about the album cover? We should talk a little bit on that. Sure.
4: There, it's actually it's a recycled piece of art. It's um, hmm. do you, uh, you know, I I'm,
2: I don't know the history in it.
3: Why was this not called Green Offerings?
4: <laughs> <laughs> the silence
2: i think cardi b is gonna be on this episode a lot <laughs> <I think so laughs>
0: too.
4: oh you got it on your oh. on your print out there what am i looking for it's it should be up in the top there's a there talk about the artwork
3: can i can i can i take a stab where it was recycled from
2: is it as good as your last joke? <laughs> it is. I think this was, re- they, this was this is rejected this that. was redemption
3: time,
4: Luz. Go for it.
3: <laughs> this is a re- rejected album cover for Black Sabbath is
1: Born Again. <laughs> Ooh. Oh.
4: Rejected. Uh. This is an improvement. Wow. Okay.
1: Zing. Go well, well, well Gene's like-
2: looking up that that history of the album. I actually like it. It's, it's Satan kind of sitting around. It almost looks like Satan's bored. And uh, he might actually be on on the throne, if you know what I mean. But uh, I don't know what Satan Ooh. taking a poop looks like. But this is what I would. This is pretty close.
3: I think Satan taking a poop would be a great album title. What do you think?
2: <laughs> Satan dukes.
3: <laughs> but please, uh, any other facts, Gene, about the album cover besides it's recycled, as uh, it was rejected many times before they
4: accepted it. God damn it, I can't find it. I had a. I know I read something on it too, but I didn't.
2: Oh, the original album cover art was a painting by Gustav Dore. Good. Of Lucifer from the Divine Comedy.
4: There it is. It was on Wikipedia.
2: That's right? not,
3: that sounds like almost as good as my jokes.
2: <laughs> I guess we're leaving that in. All right. Uh so yeah, Iced Earth. Uh, we got a couple iced earth virgins. You're the uh you're the experienced uh role model here. Tell us how to <laughs> tell us how to get in with iced earth. Oh,
4: Please <laughs> I wow! I don't know how to approach that one at all. <laughs> how you get in is you basically just grab an album and go. And now for me, I would say grab something early. And uh, this is hold on tight, and you and you hold yeah. on tight. Yeah, but this is the first. Is one. First? is this
3: their debut or no? No, no it is not. Is their third? Right? This is their
4: third. Third, yes, okay. yes. First with Matthew Barlow on vocals though,
2: mm.
4: and uh, he...
2: the Matthew Barlow of Barlow Grocery in Rochester. No. See, I can't put the dead silence after.
3: Uh,
4: <laughs> you can if you try. Yeah.
3: So this is this is kind of like for Iced Earth, this is essentially their their Bruce Dickinson. After two albums in, they flip the switch and it's just nothing but fame
1: after that. Mm.
4: Yeah, pretty much. I mean they, okay. they did do a stint with Ripper, uh Tim Ripper always really? in the band, yes. Okay. And that was, I think, post Yingve, if my history is correct.
2: That was actually uh the, according to uh Wikipedia, which is always reliable, uh it mm-hmm. was uh he actually recorded the vo- the first record he recorded vocals on. Um he was still in Priest. He had just kind of almost done it like as a as, as a side deal, but then that was at the same time that Halford eventually came back and so he just joined Iced Earth right uh-huh. after Priest.
3: Now, was this, was this pre- or post-Monster uh, Energy Drink uh, dressed, uh, River Owens?
2: Pre. But it was post-coitus. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: See, we nailed it that time. Yeah, I know. Oh, my Science. God.
3: I got to tell you, this, this is definitely, uh, I think we should have a little ding of how many ba- <laughs> how many bombs of jokes we <laughs> have.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, was, please, uh, a a I don't know what you're talking about. I've loved every joke so far.
3: <laughs> okay, but Gene, let's let's go back to you. Uh, please, can you have the floor? Uh, we will let you speak without being interrupted for at least thirty seconds. Please continue.
2: <laughs> Hold on, I gotta get a clock started.
4: Where where are we going from this point?
2: Yeah, whatever you want, man. Uh, what else you got on Ice Earth? The, uh, educate the masses. We have a There's... huge audience, and they've never listened to Ice Earth. Yes.
3: Do you have any idea?
2: We have been waiting. For four years to break into the ice earth n- niche. Now there we to this is yeah, a- in we're bringing in the ice earth podcast fans. It's like oh, <laughs> finally an episode on
4: burnt offerings. Well, you get those two guys from Nebraska. So
2: all right, yeah. <laughs>
4: There's two These, more downloads.
2: Oh
3: God! Um, <laughs> it's this. Can you imagine if we we follow up iced earth with return to Bruno?
2: Oh man! Uh, what? Well, who says we're not going to? Oh,
3: that is true. That is that is uh, definitely a Halloween-ish, uh, terrifying album.
2: That is the Great Unknown.
3: Uh, continue, please. You are Um, can, can I ask you a question, Gene? Maybe absolutely. Or do, uh, Okay. So, do you think it's odd that a band called Ice Earth um, is called has a title called Burnt Offerings? Shouldn't they be a more cold? Offering, I mean, burnt. It seems like it would actually destroy their entire, uh, you know, purpose.
4: Freezer burnt.
2: Mission. Yeah, there's. Yeah, exact. You are the freezer burnt loose cannon for yeah. a reason.
4: You are yeah, a burnt then, offering. Well, yeah. but, but
3: but like the cover is hell. You know, basically
2: it's the devil. That's in
3: hell. There's no ice there. I mean, it's it's, it's very confusing.
4: Well, yeah, the, there is because the Eagles reunited. Hell froze over. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, Ding. He has no, the best joke that so far. Be the worst joke yet. Uh, I know. I think it's the best. best one It's the best and the worst. The best
3: and the worst. You win the prize on that one, Gene. Thank you. Oh,
4: the man. night is young.
2: Yes. But like,
3: exactly. should we actually talk about the music or never go there?
2: Come on. I was trying to delay that as long as I could for your benefit. <laughs> okay. All right, okay,
3: okay, but um, yeah, well, oh, so- I'm not sure if uh you know. Uh, I guess my question too, like when you got into Burnt Offerings, did you, you know, gobble up the catalog? Did you go forward? Have you seen these guys live? Um, yeah, are they actually, better than Overkill? You,
2: you talked a little bit on that before we yes. got going here. I thought that it was actually a pretty good story. Tell us. Yeah, please.
4: To recap, I went, I, I picked up their second album, Night of the Storm Rider, and bought it used at uh, the, the local CD store. They sold new and used. I picked up used. They just um, have, have you ever really bought cool anything
3: new? There seems to be a theme here so far from your stories.
4: Yes. So listen to it. I sampled it at this store because they had the CD player with the headphones, you know, the janky headphones with the, you know, the weird, yeah, squishy, yeah. you know, you shouldn't put those on your head type headphones.
2: <laughs> Bacteria-laden.
4: <laughs> yes, thank you. Very You get bacteri- an
2: ear infection uh, from hanging on an FYE too long.
4: Yep, and, and once I recovered from that, I decided, you know, I need more iced earth. Uh, actually, no. This is many years later that um, I actually stumbled across this. Uh, across this album, it's actually uh, this one here that is in front of Bako and I. The CD that is the CD that I purchased uh, roughly in 1996 or so. Right. Um, it might have been 95, but I'm feeling like it was 96.
3: You might want to have that bronzed, like uh, kid
2: shoes. Mm, yeah.
4: Well, actually, it's a, I don't know if it's. A, I guess it's a collector's item is a reach, but it's the non-remastered version.
2: You know, in '96, I drank a ton of Molson Ice. Kind of the same thing. Oh, there we
3: go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how come that? How come Iced Earth has not done a collaboration with Natural Light Ice? Oh man, Natural Light Iced Earth. What say you?
2: Uh, I was at Total Wine today. I saw a couple bros walk out with uh, two uh, grocery carts <laughs> overloaded with uh, cases of Natty Ice Light and two six-packs of White Claw.
4: Ain't no laws when you're
3: drinking Claws, baby. Somebody's getting punched and somebody's uh, a douche <laughs> that.
2: There's six oh, women course. coming to their party tonight.
0: <laughs> That's
2: right. <laughs> yeah, anyway, there's a tangent
3: all right let's let's continue on so you listened to you had you uh you listen to him at the store you had the headphones on use the q-tips um afterwards to get the the filth out of your ears
4: many years later i would stumble across this album and uh big
2: gap between the second and third record right yes yeah
4: so and, and the and a vocal the lead vocalist change of course yeah. as well sure sure and Just on a whim, I thought, well, I really love that last album, so I'm going to pick this up. And I knew they were kind of dark, you know, a little bit of, you know, they're anti church in a lot of their lyrics. So I thought, well, you know, I can deal with that. That's interesting. And sometimes, you know, if it's done well, it can be pretty interesting. And uh, I picked this up and I brought it home. And immediately I started listening to this and just feeling like, wow, this is really dark and ominous. And and it it feels even more, uh, not satanic. But just really crushing, the going after the church and stuff, and just I don't know, just there's a vibe that's that was in there that t- made me not want to listen to it, and I think I may have even set it aside for about a year, and then picked it up later on at some point and gave it another try, and all of a sudden everything was just like, wow, this is actually a really good album. There's there's so many layers to it, lots of uh, great vocal work on here, great guitar work, mm-hmm. and it just clicked.
3: So you're saying that that essentially that this album um actually you felt like it was actually evil like you shouldn't be listening to it sort of right no uh,
4: I don't I don't know if I go that far but yeah it had a it had a dark kind of uh,
3: well, like well like a sabbath like you know you're younger you're realizing this is something that's a little dangerous
2: yeah i remember that i was like 13 when i heard the the, the song black sabbath and well, and that scared the shit out of me um and that but,
4: was a good point. And that's a good point. But see, the thing is, is I wasn't young when I got this. Where yeah, sure. I can see that with Black Sabbath. I mean, we sure. re- remember seeing the but thriller it, video. But,
2: but that's what I thought was fascinating when you told me earlier, that like you were actually off put a little bit. And which to be honest, Gene made sense. The first time I saw Mortificator, I was like, this seems like a guy who like doesn't want things too heavy or too dark. <laughs> <laughs> He likes to keep his beard groomed, uh, yes. and uh, don't attack the church.
4: No, nope. yeah, exactly. Love it, everyone. A, that's yeah, that's cool. Like cobras and fire, I love everyone as well.
2: All right, right on. Sure. Anyway, but uh, but yeah, what, I don't know. We're not. We're we are we're having a little fun with you, obviously, but. Uh, you were off put. You is you, you exactly what you were saying, right?
4: Yeah, and I don't know if I've ever had an album since, like you were talking in the early days, like with a Black Sabbath or something like that. Where I remember even Wasp being a dangerous band, and now you look back at that, it's like, oh my god, it's almost cartoon.
2: Yeah,
4: <laughs> you know, I just remember people. You know, you got you should list those bands. that those guys are the devil. They're the, they're satanic. It's like no, it's it. They're Wasp.
2: Yeah, Ice Earth right. is begging for someone to pick at their show.
4: Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I get what you're saying I mean that's kind of the, the whole
3: theme for this entire month for the albums is that that I would say that universally I think that they're a little off-putting right
2: yeah I bit? mean they're dark they're they're moody sure. they have kind of that like connection to uh a, a darker soul or spirit or something like that um you know at least that's what we tried for <laughs> yeah
3: yeah, I, and that, I, I think they they have their. I you know,
2: agree. Cool. Yeah, I, I think they all uh, in, in in very different ways too. I think we. Uh, actually, I actually, I like the three we picked, but.
3: So so with this too, like that, like I immediately thought that this band was from Sweden, and I mean that is is a, actually like a compliment because if you told me they're from Florida, I'm like seriously, you just don't Florida. think of this type of music from like Tampa.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just it just but the doesn't weird thing fit. is you do. There's a huge death metal scene. In Tampa, in, in Florida, in general, yeah,
4: that's true. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Well, oh,
2: yeah. Uh, uh, I, I did not know that.
3: Uh, but it but, might
2: be because you don't uh, listen to a lot of death.
3: <laughs> well, you know, it does. If you're in Tampa, you are thinking of death, so
2: that's fine. But well, if, the, it the, any,
4: <laughs> if it makes any <laughs> difference or if it helps you in any way, John Schaefer was actually born in Indiana.
2: If you're in yeah, Tampa, I, I you move there because you're about to die. <laughs> You've given up on life. It's a retirement. It's the whole state is where fucking old white people go to die. Why don't we get into the actual record here? We've avoided sure. it long enough. Uh, um, it opens up, Gene, with the title track, Burn Offerings.
4: Yes, it does. So immediately you're you're greeted with the um, a, a sound clip from Bram Stoker's Dr- Dracula.
2: That's that yep. uh, piano intro that kind of is reminiscent of the movie Halloween?
4: Yes, it has that Halloween piano and then um eventually the uh, the uh that sound clip from uh, Bram Stroker, Bram
2: oh okay it's Bram Dracula
4: comes in yep and says says that and then as soon as the uh that is it says i was betrayed look what your god has done to me and then immediately this the the album kicks in you know the music kicks in after that so it's it's really a cool kind of mood setting here's what you're in for for this album type of piece uh, the the in the, the intro of the song
2: for for me um Again, this is the first time I'm hearing the band ever, and now i i like I love the fact that pretty much from the very first two notes, I understood why you picked this record, because it it, it it does have that that piano intro that is very reminiscent of that Halloween movie, like and you know it actually kind of reminded me we we compared them to Megadeth earlier, uh, the beginning of the the first Megadeth oh, record yeah. uh, if you think about it, but uh, my notes in this song it was like. The music at times kind of reminded me of Maiden, but at other times, believe it or not, Overkill. Now, I'm not an expert on Overkill, but there was a couple of things that kind of brought me in that. And I started like wondering like who this voice is. It sounds like something. And I think it's a combination of Jeff Tate and Peter Steele and I'm talking about his main singing voice, not his, like, uh, voice. Uh, but there's also a couple times, and I'll get into as we go here, where he actually pulls out a little bit of Rob Halford out of his ass. I
3: I, I do have to say that, that this is, I can't think of a band of, of this time that did the flipping of the vocal styles like this. Like, now it's kind of typical, where you do sure. the, let's call it, clean vocals, then you do the, you know, screamo, or whatever you want to call those different sections. That's a good
2: sections. point, yeah. I, I mean, I'm... I'm not sure where I when I first would have heard that, but I, I it sure feels like it would have been later.
4: Yeah, yeah I remember I mean, uh well, Slipknot, Corey Taylor did that a lot on that first album, which yeah, that was, was 99? 90, 90 right. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And then it was, really
3: you know, from Five Finger Death Punch and through the two thousands, whatever wherever you want to say it, but that was not commonplace um in the early nineties.
4: Yeah. Uh, John Schaefer does do a lot of lot of vocal gymnastics on this album and John Schaefer? I'm sorry, not John Schaefer. Uh, Matthew Barlow. Okay.
2: No, no, uh, were there previous records the same style, where it's like the... <laughs> or was it, uh <laughs>
4: There's a, was a little bit of that, but it wasn't to this degree. Okay, All right. yeah, Yeah. So, they, yeah, um. they've worked with other uh, good vocalists, but uh, Barlow was the one that really became the fan favorite with this oh. album and beyond.
2: I ask, because, you know, this is clearly, creatively, the guitarist John Schaefer's vision. Yes. Was that always kind of vocally, like he was that... in a heavy and picking like that kind of style of vocalist too
4: yeah in a way yeah you know like i said he worked with ripper and he actually told ripper when he got ripper into the band that the, every time he writes music ripper's voice is what he was seeking for for what he was writing. did he say this
2: yeah. before or after ripper was in the band because after. i gotta believe in 1995 he didn't know who well wait ripper was in priest in that time wasn't he basically ripper he had- was in judas priest in 95 right or am i wrong there
4: no, I think you're right.
2: Loose? Well, you don't understand, uh,
3: Baco, uh, Ripper was huge in Tampa.
2: <laughs> uh, where is Ripper from? Canton? Cleveland? Something he's like gotta, that? He's got he's to be from Tampa.
4: No, no, he's from Ohio. Yeah, he's an Ohio All guy.
3: Right. All right. Fair enough. It was, that was my second guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: usually how it goes. <laughs> uh,
2: this guy is either from Tampa or Cleveland. <laughs> Uh, because he sucks. <laughs> that's suck one and
3: suck two. But no, I mean this this song is uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I mean, the, I like the whole narrative of it, where it follows the uh, you know the the whole pursuit of, of Scrat the squirrel chasing an acorn, which uh, ends up creating the Ice Age and has the uh, the mammoth that's voiced by Ramamano. What <laughs> say
2: <safe? laughs> Oh God, where did the sloth come in? He's the only one who actually did a voice. Well, sure. Yeah, Sloth is
3: there. Sid the Sloth. Uh the Sloth. Shot. <laughs> so, yeah, I just like how it sets up the album. I'm like, what's the next story?
2: Actually, you know what? Iced Earth does sound like a band that would be the soundtrack for Ice Age.
3: <laughs> that's, actually the, that's actually the actually the outro credits on the first, first movie. <laughs> um, those are my thoughts. Okay. I'm not sure if uh, Gene wants to add to it, if we want to move forward to the next uh Next track, or how how do you want to break this down, Gene?
4: Well, I've got a few things on here. I just uh, a Please. few comments that I have is uh, the operatic enhancements I thought were pretty cool. I like uh, Barlow's angry vocals and his pretty vocals, um, and in much like a lot of uh, Iced Earth fans, he's also my preferred uh, vocalist. I, I found the bridge to be awesome. Uh, there's there's a lot of awesome to this song. Uh, the, I like the way they layered vocals. I think there was a lot of creativity in that. It wasn't just we're going to, they thought this through, I felt, uh, or at least Barlow did, or not Barlow, I'm sorry, but Schaefer, because obviously this is Schaefer's baby, and he was really driving this thing. Even though there were, there was difficulty going on with the radio, or the uh, record label at the time, there uh, a lot of struggles, and uh, he he felt like that kind of influenced this album, and uh, made it feel dark, and he kind of actually didn't like that, so when he, when he did remaster it, he fixed, quote unquote, some things, a la a Dave Mustaine. Uh but I personally, I don't... I, There's
2: a lot of Mustaine references going... <laughs> like, uh, comparisons that I think are legit, by the way.
4: Yeah. And uh, the song is a, is a statement regarding Schaefer's feelings toward the problems that band was facing regarding the music industry as a whole. Uh, <laughs> I feel he's uh, approaching it more so as a sacrifice to a higher power with warnings to traitors, thieves, and liars. So um, I don't know if you guys gave any ratings to any of the stuff that we're, we're talking about, but this one for me was a pretty pretty solid 10 out of 10.
2: I think we is cracked it? the code, though. John yeah. Schaefer is Mustang's idiot stepbrother.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, but you got to understand that what explains that he stole the title Dystopia from the 2011 album. He stole it right from his, his idiot brother.
2: Yeah, <laughs> stepbrother. Uh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right here. You know what? I would, I, as Whoa, far you, as this okay. record, I I, th- I don't know, I don't know, how, I don't know how to rate it. Um, it it, it, it almost seems mean because I don't know these the, this band that well. But well, I hold like on. the song. Are we just
3: are you saying ten out of ten for the whole album, Jen, or just no, the, the first the, track?
2: The, the song. Okay,
3: that's what I thought. So it's so continued. I'm sorry, Bako. No, it's
2: uh, uh, it's, a, it's all good. Okay. I guess I'd put put this at a seven or an eight, seven or an eight in the context. Um, I, I don't know that this is a band I'll ever go back to a lot, but I enjoyed the record, and I think this song is a strong song to open up with.
3: Yeah, it's very ambitious. I mean, it's no ladies in waiting, but it's it's definitely got it got it, uh, written pretty well.
2: It's more of a uh, two timer. <laughs> That's for the Kiss fans. <laughs>
3: Again, we're reuniting. We're putting the two worlds of Kiss and Iced Earth together. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's it, we're we're like a bridge.
2: Oh man! Wait till we hit the Kiss album on three hits from hell, people.
3: Ooh, yeah, that scary one.
2: There's a tease.
3: <laughs> Asylum. That's the scary one. Yeah, that's the one that
2: scares me the most.
3: <laughs> but Jan, if, if I could just ask real quick though, as a, as a courtesy, you know, um, time is valuable. We don't have that much of it. Are you regretting your your decision to join us tonight?
4: Absolutely not.
3: Okay, good.
4: Uh, it's always place. enjoyable hanging hang with you guys. All right, so that song was a pretty long song. We're talking seven minutes, 22 seconds seconds for that one.
2: Sexons.
4: Two seconds.
2: was yeah, yes. a Freudian well, slip for you. I'll
3: tell you what, after this next beer, I'm going to definitely be saying Sexons the rest of the oh,
2: night. Oh, God. All right, so our
4: next one, we're going... Hey, before
2: on. we get into the next one, do we want to talk about what we're all drinking? Uh, sure. I'm drinking a
3: asshole beer tonight. It is an American Pale Ale by Odell Brewery, and it is
2: called Drumroll. Ooh, nice. I think you've had that on the show before. Uh, Gene, I have. What, what do you What do you want you to tell listeners what you're enjoying?
4: Uh, currently, I'm enjoying a an Oktoberfest from Polliner, a, right. a, a traditional Oktoberfest, a Marzen.
2: And I'm drinking Loose Cannon's premium grain belt that he didn't drink when Gene bought us a beer for the Buy a beer campaign.
3: Ooh, good, good, yes. So now did you know we're, that,
2: we're all even now.
3: Did you know that Oktoberfest is not actually celebrated in October? It's because the pagan calendar.
2: In the words of Ron Keel, Cobras and Fire is an informative show. Thank you for that, Loose Cannon. All right, no Gene, problem. what's up?
4: Track two. Track two, last December. at 323 so uh, a little bit more bite size for you there loose uh fun size fun size there you go for just for loose loose are you familiar with the romeo and juliet saga
3: well sure yeah it's about a chick and a dude and then uh problems happen
4: there you go it's (laughs) the cliff nose version Uh, so it's yeah it's just a good old-fashioned if we can't can't be together then we're just gonna die together type of song uh another one with a a, a cool intro without the dramatics and more great vocal work by Barlow, I gave this one an eight
3: yeah, I know I mean uh last december i I, I actually enjoyed this one a lot too, and um I just like the fact that it, it told the whole struggle, the conflict between the uh, heat miser and the cold miser um in the fight and I believe the original title was uh the year without Christmas
2: <laughs> working titles working title, yeah. <laughs> I like the song too. I, I you know what, again, I, I have to frame all my ratings if you want to do this for, for, for this this record gene in the context of like not knowing the band that well. As far as this record, I I'd put this at an eight. Oh nice. I, I do like the way it opens up with kind of like a again, this is that kind of Queensrike thing I was talking about where it has almost like a it almost sounds a bit like a like Queens Reich's idiot stepbrother place. Hey, man, do you touch my drum set?
1: Nope. I know you touched my drum set, and I want to hear that dirty little mouth admit it. Where are you going? I'm going upstairs. Because I'm going to put my nuts set on your drum set.
2: I think uh, his version was loud. Listen. <laughs> is this a concept
3: record, Gene? I definitely think it is from all, everything I've said so far.
4: I, I would call it a kind of a concept light.
2: It's like uh, Satan and Romeo and Juliet.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that that like old it, tripe, it, the trope. It,
2: devils that's where the term devils three-way came from that's right. was uh, burnt offerings. All
4: mm-hmm. right, you got to you got to hit me with that one. That okay. was awesome. <laughs> devils three-way. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet.
2: Let's let's move into the next uh, chapter here. Please. What do we got, Gene? Please.
4: Track 3. Track 3 diary. By Barlow, music by Abel Schaefer and Shaver. This one clocks in at 6:14, so we're heading a little bit deeper. Um, now lyrically, I'm not sure, but I think this is based on the Dracula character. So kind of very fitting with our theme here. Uh, and th- I kind of feel it could if it is, it's a prequel to the song uh, on Horror Show. They covered uh, various horror concepts on an album, which was a concept album um called horror show and they have a song called dracula nice um but that one was written solely by schaefer and uh even though he grew to hate the idea since it was his idea he did hate the whole concept album based on monsters and characters home horror themes so after he decided to partake in this and he announced he was going to do it he eventually grew to hate it he still put the album out um and some people really like it for me it's it's an okay album i don't revisit that one a whole lot um but I feel this song could fit on that album, but it's it's a perfect fit for this album as well. Um, the effect on the guitar number one is pleasing as hell. Couples well with everything that's on the first verse. Uh, the song takes a turn as it, as it progresses with John's uh, tripl- trademark triplet-based riffing slamming the song forward. Uh, when the bridge kicks in, at the, more so at the 336 mark, I feel there's uh, some Iron Maiden influences. You had mentioned Iron Maiden, or one yeah. of you guys mentioned Iron Maiden. Um, they get that. That a was lot, me. Actually. That was Baco. That was me. Um, and some people would call him an American Iron Maiden. I feel that's a, a very, I think that's being very gracious. Or, you know, you're giving a lot more credit yeah, think, than that. Yeah, because we than all know deserves.
2: Baron Cross is the American Iron Maiden. <laughs> mm.
4: Well, not as strong as the title track. It's still a pretty sweet song. I give this another eight out of ten.
2: Nice. Baco? I think this is a, a very thrashy kind of t- uh, tune. Um, yes. This is actually one of my favorite songs on here too. So I guess I'm just gonna kind of I don't know I'm gonna keep it short. I, I would give it. If, keeping up with your theme here, I would also give it an eight out of a ten. What say you, Loose Cannon?
3: I like it because it reminds me of the entry I put in on uh, June 1st, 1987, in my diary, which was jerked off in the sock.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every day of my diary says that.
3: Well, definitely in
2: 1986, according uh, to that
3: episode. Yeah. Well, it's 95, but uh, oh, oh, but no. Anyway,
2: you are uh, way older than you think than you claim on the show. By the way, just for the listeners, know he just copped to being like a chronic masturbator in 86.
3: No, 87. Yeah, what's wrong with that?
2: It's never wrong, Lucy. It, it's no, just a natural act that we should all the, uh, embrace no, you know, self love.
3: You know the whole calendar where it's you're the tiger, you're the cobra. That was you're the sock.
2: You're the socks. Embrace it. We mm-hmm. are all masturbators.
3: I got to tell you, though, I like the juxtaposition of a very well thought out descriptive, uh, uh, you know, uh, summation of a song followed by that. <laughs> Thank you, Gene, for bringing the intelligence to the show
2: and, I, and, uh,
3: and for us bringing, it, bringing the, uh, the bell curve down.
1: Yeah, I,
2: I, sh- I should say this because we're gonna get this for the next uh, t- two albums too. Uh, uh, every t- like Gene has like this whole perfectly mapped out like th- this note thing that every sure. time we interject, we just throw him off his game. Uh, and uh, it- he's a good sport, but it- it's actually kind of fun to witness. Uh, I'm, I'm sure gonna, in I'm person. We're gonna start Facebook it, Facebook Live it here right in a second.
3: I-, I would like to see the blinking eyes of Gene just thinking of how he's gonna stab me virtually <laughs> and you and you actually literally <laughs> and it, it'd be good to see if there's a, a he does cop, have a like, knife in his boot yeah man stabbed in basement in uh, St. Paul <laughs> by a uh, famous uh, lead singer of Mortificator
2: moving forward what's up next Gene
4: brainwashed this ah,
2: is uh,
3: that, sum- that summarizes uh, Baco with uh, Kiss through the 80s
4: clocks in at 522. So John Schaefer is no stranger stranger to or, anti-organized religion themes in his lyrics. And I'm surprised that this one that this it takes this many songs into the album to cover the subject. The song is seemingly harmless introduction. Then it pummels its way forward with great layers that adds dimension to the track. Something that Schaefer has been doing masterfully through this release. And here's some lyrics I wanted to quote. Christ, it's nothing personal. You've got to see. They twist and turn your words for their own needs. They're brainwashed puppets, the almighty crutch, cowards of reality, and their dying love. Sounds like a lot of what we still have going on today and then some.
2: All I know is that I like this song better the first time I heard it when it was called The Ballad of John and Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christ, man. you know it ain't easy and
3: and uh them uh, did, was the original cover for this just uh two nude people on the uh cover <laughs> with
2: uh very uh, unshaven pubes uh unshaven pubes would have been a good album title too <laughs> <laughs> frozen unshaven pubes oh man
3: but um. i will say i love any kind of song that speaks out uh, against the church because uh i dig it
2: yeah, yeah, fuck the church. Um, yeah, I actually think things pick up here. This is uh, probably a nine out of a ten for me. Uh, the guitar solo, I think, at the beginning there is really cool. Uh, the, the kind of, I don't know, it's just got a weird vibe to it. It, it's, it, it, it's almost like happy in a creepy way. So,
3: kudos. Yeah, I, I actually, I actually want to add to that too. This is actually the first boner on the album for me.
2: Okay,
3: the pure boner, not not a happy.
2: See, so the oh, first song that Loose Cannon actually likes. You haven't rated any of them for Gene uh
3: I have not I have not they're they're you wanna give uh, them, a
2: lot You want to go or, like uh, uh each song instead of like the we'll do the whatever out of 10 and you can go, you know, flaccid, uh, quarter chub, half
4: chub, three quarter chub, boner
3: or Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I,
4: yeah, I don't know gay slang. What's what is that?
2: <laughs> There's. I think it's Gene's for a zinger. Did you? Did we lose loose again?
4: We didn't hear his feeling, did we? Of course,
2: his ah. feeling. Can you hear me? There, there you, you are. Go. All right. No, I was saying
3: I. I was actually laughing very hard about that, and I disconnected the back of my mic. So.
2: <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. All right. Well, you're back. Uh, let's get back to the record. Uh, Please. That.
4: Next up, well, we got Burning Oasis. Schaefer, music by Abel Schaefer and Shaver. Six-minute track. Another this one
2: opens up with the Halford scream that I was talking about earlier. I mean, it very much is that. Wah! I don't know.
4: Yeah, and it's got a great intro. This album is full of this. I mean, I mean, I've, I said I think for every one of these, I've said that. And this is no, this is nothing different. It's another great intro. Another tale regarding Christianity in regards to the uh, Adam and Eve and the fall of Eden. Uh, the final bridge, or at least that's what I'm calling it, with the almost falsetto slash operatic vocals of Barlow wrapping up the song, make, um, yeah, add another interesting layer to the track and push it up another point for me. This one, when it was all said and done, I, I had given an eight.
2: Wow. Um, my notes here were just mainly about that Halford scream. Uh, I, I think the song, um, I don't know, it. it, it This is kind of where I'm starting to get the idea that we're getting into kind of a concept theme throughout the record. Uh, At least I'm with Luce. I actually think it is meant to be a concept record, but maybe not in the sense that it's telling a story, but more conceptually it sticks to a theme throughout. Luce?
3: Yeah, this song is is okay for me, um, but I I just think it's interesting that as a side note that – uh, burning Oasis is what Liam Gallagher called his uh, outbreak of syphilis.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, what else? What else we got here, man? Half chub. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's my reading. It came out of nowhere. Paco's <laughs> <laughs> gonna need a
4: minute.
0: Oh,
3: let's go. Um, Can can I introduce the next song, Gene? Please. Uh, The next song is called Creative Failure, which defines my life.
4: Greater Failure, 602, uh, Schaefer uh, is the lyricist uh, music by Abel, Schaefer, and Schauver.
2: This seems like a cheap shot at God.
4: You think so? Yeah. Greater <laughs> <laughs> Failure. Uh, a subtle intro, but after roughly 30 seconds, song kicks up a bit before slowing down with the lyrics, uh, bringing in the lyrics. Uh, another song with many layers and a lot of creativity going on, and just before the four minute mark, the song takes another interesting turn for the bridge. Lovely layers, intriguing throughout. Uh, lyrically sounds like a song written by Robert E. Howard, who gave us Call, Solomon Cain, and of course, more importantly, Conan the Barbarian. And plus, there's Virgin Sacrifice. So, you know, it's a, it's a great song. So, nine out of 10 for me.
2: Um, yeah, I'm not sure where I put it on the scale, maybe a seven or eight. This also has, like, uh, towards the end, that another one of those brilliant Halford screams. This guy is uh, an amazing singer, considering I've never heard of him.
4: Yeah, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he took singing lessons after he recorded this album.
2: <laughs> that's not <that's> something <laughs> that you tell people at parties, okay? <laughs> uh, I heard myself on record and said, I need to take some lessons.
4: <laughs> no, I think it was just, you know, now that he was a part of this band, he needed to learn how to uh, to handle his instrument so he could tour it okay. and not kill himself on tour and be able to, to tour us extensively.
2: Well, after five records, Carrie King took guitar lessons. <laughs> True story Blues Cannon I'm done Next song
4: Next song The Pure Spirit So we got a little Musical interlude here uh, Clocks in at minute 54 Now this one um, Was Lyrics by Schaefer But he didn't actually Write any piece of the music On this one This was Abel Abel And Uh, uh So it takes this huge left turn With this track uh, Musically of course There's a mellow acoustic guitar accompanied by a piano with some stringed instruments. As a standalone track, it's not strong, but in the context of this album, it's great. Uh, Short but sweet, a palate cleanser for what's to come. And uh, again, an interesting note that Schaefer doesn't have a music writing credit on this track. And uh, I really dig it. It, Even if it comes up on random play on my uh, MP3 player, I I still enjoy the track. I gave it a nine.
1: Yeah, nice. I
2: think this might be Loose Cannon's favorite song at a minute fifty four, <laughs> uh, but uh, I I enjoyed I this it. a lot. It is kind of basically just a lead into a super ass long song. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's just moody. It's dark. It uh, it it just got a lot of kind of like it, it just really fits the record. It is the perfect segue between you know. Uh, it is a perfect segue between uh, Creator Failure and Dante's Inferno, which is coming up next. Louis, you got any thoughts on this little two-minute jaunt?
3: No, I mean it's kind of like the old Black Sabbath albums back in the day, where they had all these little uh, segues or intros to to other songs. Yeah. And um, I also think it's kind of cool that that uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but the Pure Spirit is actually what Fred Durst calls his cock ring. <laughs>
2: Okay, we're getting to the last song on the record. Uh, it is, of course, a brief one, right, uh, Gene? Uh.
4: <laughs> yeah. Like "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner" was a brief track for Iron Maiden.
2: Yeah, no Boy, shit. Is. This is Boy, basically is. an EP. This one song.
4: That's a good point. Uh, yeah,
3: Gene, please break down Dante's Inferno.
4: All right, Dante's Inferno. We got sixteen. Oh, a 16-and-a-half-minute song, lyrics by Schaefer, music by Schaefer. So this is all John Schaefer's. This is his baby. Uh, it's the opus, Dante's Inferno. It's based on the Inferno opus. segment of Dante's Allegri's. Uh, how do you say that? Allegri's. Ele- I
2: think it's Allegri.
4: Dante Allegri's epic poem, The L- Divine Loses Comedy.
2: the brains of the show, though. Yeah. Is
3: it Opus or Bloom County? <laughs> Jesus.
4: You just realized you called him the brains of the show.
2: Oh God! And that's what you got. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Speaking of that, the Divine Comedy <laughs> is a long Italian narrative, Italian narrative poem by Dante Alighieri. Uh, From he began it in 1308, and he completed it in 1320, which was a year before his death in 1321.
2: It took him 12 fucking years to write a poem. Jesus Christ! I can bust out a limerick in 10 seconds.
4: What do you got? I want to hear it.
3: Well, it, all is involved in Nantucket.
4: <laughs> uh, all the good ones do. Oh, God.
3: <laughs> and an ear. It's got an uh, Nantucket and an ear. You're... Go ahead, please, Jim. Continue.
2: What would you do to that ear... <laughs>
3: I don't know. It depends what it I'd was. I'd light it
2: on fire and <laughs> kill a cat. <laughs> Morris. All right. Back to back to our esteemed guest, <laughs> Gene Vogel, half chub.
3: Who's looking at his
2: watch right now. <laughs> He's like, I got two more records to do. <laughs> You're
3: not <laughs> I like just spit on the floor. Oh. And mine's not disposable like yours is. Yeah. <sighs> I didn't buy my floor with two twenties.
4: <laughs> is it easy to clean at least?
3: <laughs> yeah, throw it out the window.
4: <laughs> no, I mean yours
3: uh well I'll, I'll I'll find out. go ahead,
4: so the poem's imaginative version uh, are <laughs> God damn you <laughs> the poem's imaginative vision of the afterlife as represented in medieval world view as it has developed in the Western Church by the 14th century. It is divided into three parts, Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. But again, Schaefer focuses only on the infernal portion of the poem. So the, the narrative describes Dante's travels through hell, purgatory, and paradise, or heaven, while allegorically the poem represents the soul's journey towards God. Dante draws on medieval Christian theology and philosophical Philosophy. <laughs> Let me do that again. Dante draws on medieval Christian theology and philosophy. Dante draws on medieval Christian theology and philosophy. God, philosophy,
2: damn it. you philosophy. Jesus Christ! I
4: know, no shit. Uh,
2: get your head oh. out of your ass. <laughs> Come on, Gene. Half chub. <laughs>
4: So Dante draws on medieval Christian theology and philosophy, especially Thomistic philosophy derived from the Summa Theologica of Thomas Aquinas. So there are three movements to this song as follows. One is denial, lust, and greed. The second part is the prodigal, the wrathful, and Medusa. And the third is the false witness, angel of light. So my notes are there's another uh, great track with a great mood-setting intro. While it is a pretty long song, there's a lot going on, and it does not become boring for me, or drone on, or become stagnant. Schaefer is a really good, imaginative songwriter on these early Iced Earth albums. Something that I feel he doesn't get recognized for, and something that I feel he gets that he's lost along the way after writing the uh, something this way, something wicked this way comes albums. Um, I gave this one a nine out of ten.
2: I uh, I thought your rhyme of the ancient mariner comparison was pretty apt. Um, I, I agree. I, I think that this song flows good, this, but this is not a song you're going to listen to by itself. To me, this whole record, uh, one of the best things I can say about it is that like if 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 you're going to listen to this, you want to listen to it from beginning to end. It is an album. Well,
3: how else can you do it? How yeah, else can you listen to a exactly, song?
2: You're not going to cherry pick hit songs off this fucking thing. But it definitely flows, and this is a great ending. I know it's fucking 17 minutes long, and that's really difficult for someone like Loose Cannon, but uh, I was okay with it.
3: I can just summarize my thoughts this way, and that is that I am shocked that Peter, Paul, and Mary have not sued them, because this is clearly a rewrite of Puff the Magic Dragon.
2: Thank you. Right? I had the balls to say it. I mean, it's about time. All right, so that brings us to the end of uh, the first uh, record we're doing on three Hits from Hell: Iced Earth, Burnt Offerings." Gene, why don't you kind of give an overall synopsis of the of the record uh, and any other thoughts you have?
4: Well, I think I mentioned it before in the previous in my notes for the previous song, but I feel that Schaefer doesn't get a, a, enough credit for his song as his, his work as a songwriter, and he's a phenomenal rhythm guitar player, and that's that's present throughout this whole album. There's a lot of good work on this whole album. The lead guitar playing, you mentioned a song, one of the songs, but there's so much good stuff going on here um, with the lead guitar playing. Uh, Barlow does such a phenomenal job singing on this one, uh, especially coming into an established band and winning the fan base over with his skill and his charisma as a front man. Uh, uh, he would later leave the band after the attacks of September 11th, and he to offer himself to public service, he became a police officer because he felt like he needed to do something for the community. Okay. And so he eventually did get out of the out of the music for a while.
2: How'd that go for him?
4: He would eventually uh, do some work with other bands like Pyramaze, and uh, I think there was another one if I'm not mistaken.
2: What you're saying is he sucked as a cop.
4: I did not say that. Okay. So he would rejoin the band later in 2008, though, uh, to record the Crucible of Man, the Crucible of Man, Something Wicked Part Two, which was a continuance of the Something Wicked storyline presented in 1998. Um, there's a few ratings I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, all Music gave this a 4 out of 5 stars. Metal Storm gives it a 10 out of 10. Uh, my notes, I gave this roughly, uh, if you took all my numbers and kind of uh, came up with an average, I got close to a 9. So I would give this a 9 out of 10.
2: I'm happy to say that uh, you picked a record that uh, definitely fit what we were looking for here. Uh, it's definitely spooky. It's got a lot of mood to it. It's It's got some anger um it's definitely a dark fucking record uh i i'm not gonna lie i don't know that i'm gonna go back to this a lot but i did enjoy it as an overall first time listen and it uh it gave me a little more respect for for the band that that i've never really paid much attention to so uh thanks for bringing at least that part of it to me and uh i really don't have much else to add to it loose
3: yeah i mean the what i would say and we've been busting your balls the entire time as we do just to have fun but in all honesty <clears throat> while this is not my cup of tea uh, i do respect the fact that it is extremely adventurous and like i talked about with all the different vocal stylings throughout through throughout the entire album uh, i definitely think that it was ahead of its time too and i would say if i was going to kind of uh, describe this as somebody that di- was not aware of iced earth I remember going to a Queen Shrike concert uh, when they did Operation Mindcrime 2, which was the first half they did Operation Mindcrime, and I left because they started the second part. But the point is is that the, the what I noticed is that I saw a lot of Dream Theater t-shirts and Iced Earth t-shirts as well. So that's how I would compare it to, is it's kind of one of those bands that, yeah, they have long songs, yeah, they're adventurous, yeah, they're... They're um,
2: kind of like, like that, that but, but they, if you, you like, like
3: if you, you like, like... and and Dream Theater, would you say maybe Gene that you might like this band, even though they're more evil?
4: Oof, or no? I don't know if they're as progressive as as well. I don't. know. I guess maybe Queen. they're Jack definitely like progressive,
3: progressive
2: to me. Mm. At least this uh, record is. It's
4: progressive light, I guess. You know, when mm. you're talking Dream Theater, I tend to go more towards you know. The heavier uh, end of progressive. Okay. Wow. So I guess if you want to put light uh, Iced Earth on the uh, opposite side of the progressive spectrum, to uh, uh, I mean not completely polar opposite, but just you know if you're thinking heavy to light, or you know no boner to full chub, sure. Then you know maybe Iced Earth is is. Uh, A little bit more towards the blue ball side where uh, Dream Theater would be more, uh, what would you call it, Mount Rushmore? I'm not sure what that means. (laughs) I'll look that up later. Well,
2: no, it was was, uh, Old Faithful because it's spraying everywhere. Well, yeah, then you missed your own joke. But, uh, well, we're basically all done here with Iced Earth uh, Burnt Offerings. Uh, first off, Gene, of course, thank you for thank you for coming back on the show, and thanks for uh, kind of exposing us and probably most of our audience <laughs> to a record uh, that is definitely creepy and spooky. I want to make sure we do this at the end of each one of these episodes. And a reminder to the listener: we have two we have two more coming up, uh, the, the three hits from hell uh, series. But on every one of these records, we're going to end it with this. What song are you making love to off this album?
4: <laughs> Pierced spirit.
2: Oh damn!
4: Well, it's short, so I want to finish before it finishes.
2: <laughs> which
3: one did you? Which one did you say?
4: Pierced spirit. Mm,
2: okay,
3: I'm. I'm definitely going Dante's Inferno because uh, you know. I like
2: to, to do the sting thing. Ooh, nice. He's, uh, ta- he's going tantric. I'm going to just go one that uh, kind of describes basically uh, how it goes for me, creator failure. <laughs> oh, man. Are you guys ready to get out of here? I am. Um, rock's not dead.
4: But the last song is 17 minutes. <laughs>
0: Full. Teenage suicide Our only way out
3: There or did he just
2: leave yeah he took off i think uh he's freaked out he put his pants
1: on he left <laughs> <laughs> there's our easter egg it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football